It's time to sit back, relax, and listen to Conversations with Joan. Conversations with Joan will inspire, motivate, and empower you. Live your best life now. Listen, learn, think, and decide. And now, here's your host, Joan Herman. Welcome to Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. Conversations with Joan focuses on topics that are important to your life, from health and wellness to professional development to personal well-being. Changemakers join me to share their insights, tips, and strategies so you can thrive and live your best life now. Thank you for taking time for yourself, and thank you for letting us be a part of your life. Now, let's start talking. Today's guest, John Chambers, went from being a dyslexic kid from West Virginia to one of the world's most successful business leaders. In his new book, Connecting the Dots, John shares leadership principles that have helped him outmaneuver competitors to grow a multi-billion dollar company. John is a former executive chairman and CEO at Cisco, where he served as a company's global leader for more than two decades. He has worked closely with government leaders from around the world, and he served on committees for two U.S. presidents, earning the first-ever Clinton Global Citizen Award, as well as the Woodrow Wilson Award for Corporate Citizenship. He is also the founder and CEO of JC2 Ventures, where he helps startups scale and lead market transitions. In 2016, he received the Edison Achievement Award. Harvard Business Review named him one of the best-performing CEOs in the world, and he was named Best Boss in America by 2020. Welcome, John. Thank you so much for joining us today. Joan, it's going to be a pleasure, and thank you very much. So, John, listening to that bio in our introduction, it's amazing everything that you have accomplished. You went from being a dyslexic kid to a world leader in business. Let's start in the beginning. What was your childhood like? Well, I was very fortunate. I had two parents who were doctors. Uh, my mom broke a lot of the gender barriers in terms of valedictorian of her school, uh, an athlete, Uh, a woman doctor, which at that time was rather unusual, and they had dual career paths where each one watched out for the other one. She taught me the emotional uh, connection side, and my dad was an unusually good business leader, and most doctors are notoriously not good at business, Mm -hmm. but he taught me a lot about being around the corners and getting transitions right. Growing up in West Virginia, I almost drowned when I was six years old, and this kind of teaches you about my parents. Uh, I got was fishing with my dad, and I got swept away in the rapids, and he had told me not to get to it near the edge of the rocks, and I fell in, and it was at a place where people had drowned, and one did later in life that I actually knew, and as I was going through the rapids, he started to chase me down the side of the uh, river, yelling, hold on to the fishing pole, hold on to the fishing pole, and, you know, and clearly each time I got my head above water, he was still yelling at me to hold on to the fishing pole. It's an ugly fishing pole. Maybe cost five dollars, black, et cetera. But if, if he was concerned about the fishing pole, I held on to it with both hands and he got a couple hundred yards below me, swam out and got me and pulled me to the side. And he taught me at that time one of the most important lessons in life is when you're caught up in a period that is really challenging or even life threatening, importance not to panic. Stay very focused on what you're doing. Don't try to swim against the tide or against the current. Uh, and then just work your way over to the side. And then at six years old, he didn't tell mom this. He put me back in the water and, and let me swim it on my own. <laughs> and uh, he taught me so much about life and lessons. And West Virginia was the top state in the union in terms of chemical industry, top in coal mining. 
and we got disrupted and fell off to one of the bottom states. So I also learned in West Virginia what happens if you don't change, disrupt or be disrupted, if you will. John, how do you think that that lesson impacted the way you handled situations throughout your career? Oh, it's huge, John. It basically, most of the time, my wife would say almost all the time, uh, when something really challenging happens, I don't overreact to it. I'm realistic on how much of it was self-inflicted and how much of it was market-driven. Uh, I then plan for how long it's going to last and how do you react to it, paint the picture of what we look like when we come out of it, then communicate appropriately to the constituencies, whether it's shareholders, employees, the market, customers, etc. So I'm a believer in an innovation playbook, and life's experience teach you how to deal with it. I'm also a dyslexic, and once you overcome major challenges in life, first, you never laugh about anybody else. Uh, but secondly, you learn how to take a weakness and potentially make it a strength. And so it impacts you in a major way. Uh, and it has to do with what you talk about all the time. It's change your attitude and, and change your life. If you have the courage to deal with your challenges and learn you can do it, then you know how to deal with the challenges in the future. So, John, when you joined Cisco, the company had 400 employees and one product, $1.2 billion in revenue. When you left 20 years later, it was a multinational tech conglomerate with revenues of $47 billion, and it was a leader in areas from cybersecurity to self-driving cars. You turned more than 10,000 employees into millionaires, more than any company in history. So everything that you've been describing to this point, was that your philosophy for reinvention? It was. It, it, it has to go that if you watch what happens in West Virginia where we didn't change and wonderful people, and I'm still very much committed to the state and trying to help them become a startup state, but because we didn't change, we got left behind. And it happened in Boston. Uh, Route 128 around Boston used to be the high-tech center of the world. We couldn't even spell Silicon Valley. And yet the mini computer industry got completely destroyed and companies like Wang and, and Data General and DEC with 40,000 to 110,000 employees vanished. So it's taught me in life that you have to identify market transitions, especially when they're combined with technology and they wait for no one. But it also taught me that if you see them coming and you have the courage to be bold and realize with that you're going to fail periodically, there's almost nothing you can achieve. So deeply embedded in what helped lead Cisco and to take a company from 70 million in sales to 48 billion was, was a real rush. And, and to share the success both with the employees and our shareholders and to win almost every corporate social responsibility award there, there was from both Democratic administrations of Clinton, Obama, and Republican administrations of uh, Condi Rice, Secretary of State, with President Bush. Uh, we, we basically, I think, did a very good job on both the business front, but also on the corporate social responsibility giving back front, which I know you're a huge believer in as well, Jen. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and John, you say that the winners won't be the biggest or the richest players, but the ones who can connect the dots what does it mean to connect the dots? It's the ability to see transitions coming and then deal with them both from a positive and realistic on the challenges. So connecting the dots that your viewership would really, I think, understand is I was on the board of Walmart and we saw Amazon coming, yet we couldn't out-execute them on combining an online world with a physical world. And in 21 years, they moved past the value of Walmart in terms of a public company. Tesla did the same thing to GM in 14 years. Uber 
a car replacement, not a taxi cab, but a shared <laughs> asset replacement for automobile purchases move past GM in seven years. 21, 14, 7, they're going to get tighter. And so you've got to understand how quickly these changes occur and understand they wait for no one. And the major mistake you can actually make is doing the right thing for too long. Because then you get stuck again, and then you end up getting left behind. You get left behind, and the brutality of it can be loss of job. It can be loss mm-hmm. of the state's leadership. It can be a nation's leadership. And I think we're, as a nation, are being challenged about we're no longer an innovation nation. We're not in the top 10 in the world, according to Bloomberg. And we are almost taking for granted that if we continue to do what we're doing, the right thing, that it won't result in a problem for us when, in fact, it will. Nations such as France and India, which you would have never thought of in terms of innovation or great uh, place to do business, are blowing past us. And, you know, John, I want to point out that we're talking about large corporations, but everything that you're describing can be applied to a person on any level. I started this work. I created a company, John, when I was 43 years old after raising two children and getting divorced and going through some extensive personal losses. And that's where this brand and company came from. And I started it without a dime of personal investment And I've been in the black since day one. And it has been solely because I have done the things that you have described. I'm totally reinventing myself on a regular basis, thinking outside of the box. I I like to say that I'm a master of spinning gold out of straw. And I think it it comes down to everything that you're describing. And And I bring that up because I want people to understand whether you're a CEO of a corporation like Cisco or you're a a single entrepreneur like myself, these principles apply. They absolutely do. And I think they apply to leadership, period. Uh, If you're a parent and you know this, and and congratulations on raising two great kids Mm -hmm. uh, as a, a single parent, that is hard to do. And the ability to really deal with your challenges in life do determine more who you are than your successes. Jack Welch taught me that. Uh, on it. But if you were to use the example of what I'm doing now with JC2 Ventures, I get to see every startup in the world. And it is so exciting being a coach and a mentor and a strategic partner with them, even more than an investor. And you suddenly see a company that does secure phones, that your phone could be tapped anytime. Uh, this company has the ability to protect that and a shield capability, but 17 people all of a sudden having a chance to become a major exciting force in the security industry and watching them grow in scale. So it's that replicatable innovation playbook that I ran at Cisco doing 180 acquisitions uh, while as CEO there, or what I did in country digitization with countries like Israel and France and uh, uh, India with the government leaders in each of those locations, or now what I'm doing in selecting the startups. And instead of doing it in a single geography, trying to do it across all of the major states in the U.S., a subset of that with a model that can work again and again. So I had the chance to to play a small role and change the world once with the Internet and Cisco changing literally the way you work, live, learn, and play. And secondly, now doing it with startups as startup companies, startup states, startup nations, and startup world. That That is exciting. And, and to the point that you're making so effectively, you've got to have the ability to dream and be bold. And you've got to be willing to disrupt yourself and get outside your comfort zone. John, do you think this is a good time to start a business? I think it is a very good time to start a business, but I think our government, and I used to keep government as far away as possible, has to create a much more business conducive environment. Uh, We've got so much regulations for startups. 
and so many hurdles going against us, including many people having very large college loans still outstanding at a time that uh, is so key. And we've got to be progressive on our immigration strategy. Startups you know, in Fortune 500, 40% of them were founded by immigrants or uh, second generation of uh, immigrant families. Same thing with startups. So do I think it's a good time? Yes. Do I think we need to put this on steroids and ramp it up by a factor of three to four-fold? Yes. And I think it requires government and business and citizens working together. We have a crisis coming at us. Mm-hmm. The high-tech industry will destroy more jobs through digitization and automation in the large companies than large companies will add. And so if you don't get the startup engine going well, we're going to leave behind a lot of America. So I think it's a good time. I think we could make it great. And I hope that my book and, and being an example of this will help help others say, how do we do it on more of a scale basis? So, John, you work with startups and you've shared a few things that you think business owners need to do in order to succeed. What are some of the other biggest mistakes that you believe business owners make today? Well, some of them are very basic. Uh, in the role of a business owner, regardless of whether the company is two people or 10,000 people, is you know, strategy and vision for the company, develop, recruit, and retain the leadership team to do that, culture and communication of the above. Mistakes that business owners might surprise you, as many of them don't understand how important culture is. You never have a strong company that lasts without a strong culture. You may like the culture, you may not, but culture is a huge component part of the success of a company, almost equivalent to strategy and vision. And I enjoy teaching that to the young companies. And then when you see the CEO, she or he get it, your eyes just you know, get so excited that they really understand the power. Communications. You didn't have to be a good communicator in the Jack Well chair who was in you know, generation in front of me. Uh, Jack was very good on vision and strategy, great with teams uh, and high expectations for the team, but not world-class in communications. Today, you've got to be able to listen to social media. You've got to be able to communicate with your employees and customers. You've got to realize that the way you're communicating with your customers today probably isn't achieving their goals, and you've got to have the courage to change. So. Culture and communications are probably two elements that are even uh, more important. John, you wrote that a friend once told you that you can't describe a company or leader as great until that person has gone through a near-death experience and come back. Why do you believe that some people are able to survive such an experience while others give up? I think sometimes you survive because of your upbringing. Sometimes you survive because your friends and family around you or even your children and how important it is that you have to get through it. And sometimes you survive just because you you know you either disrupt or you're going to get disrupted and you're unwilling to suffer the consequences if not. Most companies that get knocked on their tail don't get back up. Mm-hmm. That friend was actually Jack Welch who told me during the 90s, when we were just becoming the most valuable company in the world. And we created 10,000 millionaires at Cisco and shared the wealth with our employees. And our shareholders were happy. We had the best customer satisfaction in the industry. He said, John, you have a good company. I said, Jack, what does it take to have a great one? He said, a near-death experience. Mm -hmm. He called me up after the dot-com bobble of 2001. And he said, John, you now have a great company and you're now a great leader. I said, Jack, it doesn't feel like it. My shareholders are upset with me. My employees are questioning my ability to lead. Some are even saying, should I be leading Cisco, et cetera. And it's really painful. And he said, no, John, this was your best leadership year ever. And I said to him, Jack, you're probably the only person that's ever going to say that to me. And by the way, he was. 
uh, mm-hmm. on it. But he was right. It's how you handle your setbacks there and determines who you are as a parent, as a leader, as an individual. And all of us are going to get knocked down. The key is can you get up, know what knocks you down, develop your path to how you're going to do things differently so you don't get knocked down again and then go forward. You know, I agree with that statement because the people that I have met through doing this work, the, the ones who have been knocked down, are the ones that come back stronger. They're the ones that learn the important life lessons. So when I read that, I said, amen, because to me, that is exactly what I have learned from the years of doing this. So who were your role models? Who are the people that inspired you to be great? You know, it's interesting. My parents clearly play a key role in it. My mom taught me the emotional side, but it, it there was never an ambition to be great. The, the ambition was just to make a difference. Mm-hmm. And uh, my dad clearly taught me to see around corners and how you work through it. It may surprise you. I've, I've, I've learned so much from leaders that you're, your listeners will, will recognize, but leaders that were just normal people as well, from a Shimon Perez out of Israel, who taught me so much about leadership and leadership being lonely and how you can make a difference in peace in the Middle East by giving back and startups, uh, to watching Emmanuel Macron have the courage to try to change France's direction and Prime Minister Modi uh, attempting 1.3 billion people to make India a startup nation and double the per capita income every seven to ten years. All of those had a very much an aspect in it. But where you're leading me, I agree with you, and it's one of the things I'm concerned about. I'm a huge believer in gender equality, and my mom taught me that, and we had 30% of our directors at Cisco being female before anybody even thought of a number like that, just because it was the right thing to do. And it's all about talent, but I think often what people miss is people willing to invest in them and people willing to be a coach and a advisor uh, for females, and it's something I, I think we have to do differently. You know from your background, uh, it is much more difficult for a female entrepreneur to raise money than a male entrepreneur with the exact same idea, and maybe only gets a third of the money funded to it. And what is it, 60 to 70% of the female leaders will tell you they do not have a advisor coach that, that will spend the time with them, where I had the luxury of having quite a few that help make a difference on that. So I think the importance of gender equality and, and how we we balance that, because diverse teams will beat teams that look alike. And when 54% of your population in this country uh, is college-educated female, we have to do a much better job of creating the right environment for success there. John, what piece of advice would you offer to someone who's starting out? Dream big and be bold. Know that you could fail and don't view failure as a uh, a, a negative result. Most of the startups I invest in have failed before. I've clearly achieved more success than I ever dreamed was possible and try to give back as much as I can, but I clearly have had failures along the way and I openly talk about them. And I learned from the beginning being dyslexic, if you can overcome issues in life and you can realize you can overcome them, you can do it again and again. But if there was one concept, I think as an individual and as a nation, we need to be dreaming big again and putting the U.S. number one in terms of innovation, putting a person on the moon again. So those are kind of my thoughts. I'm a dreamer, but I'm a believer in making dreams come true. The book is Connecting the Dots, Lessons for Leadership in a Startup World. John, in about 30 seconds or less, what's the takeaway? The takeaway is leadership. You can learn innovation models you can do again and again. 
you've got to realize if you don't change, you'll get left behind. The worst recipe for the future is to continue to do the right thing too long. Have the courage to reinvent yourself, form relationships for life, especially with your customers, and realize that you can learn from everybody around you, build great teams. John, thank you so much for joining us and for sharing some strategies to help us reinvent ourselves and win in today's world. Your insight is invaluable, and I'm so happy that you were here to share it with us. So thank you. It was my honor, and thank you for making it so easy. Uh, Not bad for a person you said from New Jersey, is that right? (laughs) That's right, New Jersey, and this is airing in New York. So every once in a while, we get it right, John. And we do, and and same thing for a person from West Virginia. It's about (laughs) handling your challenges in life. It's been fun. I love the interview. Again, thank you for you giving back. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. This is Conversations with Joan. Stay with us. We'll be right back. How much can the right foods do for you? A lot more than weight control. The right foods can increase your energy, improve your outlook, and strengthen your body's natural defenses. What foods can do all that? Primo Health Solutions will show you using metabolic typing. This remarkable program lets your body tell you what it needs to work best. Call them today at 347-903-7030. That's 347-903-7030. Or go to PrimoHealthSolutions.com. Using metabolic typing, Primo Health Solutions will let your body work best. Soul by Rain is produced from various seed flowers. Its primary ingredients hail from the black cumin seed and the black raspberry seed. These two combine to provide a powerful antioxidant barrier against the devastating effects of stress. Soul by Rain has been hailed as one of the most important anti-aging antioxidants ever discovered. Soul is an anti-inflammatory and it helps prevent and repair radical damages for a healthier heart. Get your soul by calling your rain partner, Elmina Ziza, at 973 722-1154. Calm, vitality, mindfulness. We all want them, but they seem so hard to attain. Escape the stress and frenzy of the city streets. New York Open Center offers courses, trainings, and a vibrant community to help you start your journey for a more balanced and healthy life. Visit our website at opencenter.org for more information. Stop by our cafe and bookstore for all your wellness needs. Find your center at 30th and Madison. It's time for To Your Health. Joining me today is Dr. Lorraine Maida, a functional and integrative medicine physician who practices anti-aging medicine, executive health, hormone replacement therapy, and weight management. She's the author of Vibrance for Life, How to Live Younger and Healthier. Dr. Maida is here today to discuss the gut-skin connection. Welcome, Dr. Maida. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Joan. So, Dr. Maida, many teenagers suffer from acne. However, a significant number of adults complain about this as well. What do you recommend we do? Well, one thing to know is that acne is the most common skin condition that affects 85% of people at some point in their life. And it could have many causes, but tends to occur much more often during times of hormonal changes. Teenagers are most prone because their hormones are ramping up and not yet regulated. But perimenopausal women also have a tendency for acne because their hormones are ramping down, just like teenage boys and also men get that acne later in life. But 20% of perimenopausal women and postmenopausal 
women will have an increase in testosterone that can produce acne. And these hormones can be measured and regulated. However, there are other factors that play a large role in skin health, and that's the microbiome. Those are the cells and the bacteria that sit in your gut. The skin houses moisture, and it's home to about a thousand species of bacteria. It has its own microbiome, and they live on us, and they affect our health and disease. The gut microbiome has many organisms that can have a profound effect on your health. And when you have bacteria, viruses, yeast, parasites, toxins, or undigested foods, they can cause chronic inflammation, affect your immune system, and show up on your skin. So the microbiome and what you feed it is very important. What's interesting about this, doctor, is when we do have an acne breakout, we tend to buy creams or lotions and and use that. But it's fascinating that this microscopic world, one that we can't see, can affect our skin and overall health. So what do you recommend we do to heal ourselves from the inside out? You know, that's a great observation because the creams will only cover up. It doesn't get to the root cause. I like to do a DNA evaluation of stool to look at what's in there. Do you have good digestive enzymes? Is your gut inflamed? What kind of microbes do you have there? But, But a person can do some things on their own. Eating a healthy diet, taking digestive enzymes if they feel bloated after a meal, probiotics helps. Herbs that kill bad bacteria but leave good bacteria intact could be helpful. And making sure you have regular bowel movements. The kinds of things that feed the bad bacteria are things like sugar, processed foods, and dairy. Those have a major influence on gut health because they feed the microbiome that causes inflammation. Another thing to be aware of that some foods are hard to digest and cause inflammation, things like corn, eggs, soy, and wheat. If you eliminate them for a while and then add them back in your diet to see if anything changes on your skin, that's a good clue as to what's causing inflammation because a lot of mothers bring their college students to me because they want to figure out what the food triggers are. And, you know, when they go back to college, I follow up with them and they say, oh, my God, my skin cleared up just by doing what you told me to do. So, doctor, are there any foods that you would add in that can be beneficial? Absolutely. Bone broth is wonderful. It has collagen in it that heals the gut lining and it also the collagen helps with your skin. Fermented non-dairy foods that have good probiotics in them, such as sauerkraut and kimchi, kombucha tea, they add beneficial bacteria to crowd out the bad stuff. And bitters, you know, they're coming back into style now. They can heal chronic infections and balance low stomach acid. Coconut oil, is a natural antimicrobial and that has benefits. It's also been linked to weight loss. So it's very easy to remove offending foods for two weeks and add them back in one at a time to see which causes inflammation, adding in these beneficial foods. But everybody is different. And sometimes there are other factors such as chronic infections or hormonal issues. So if that's the case and you can't do it on your own, it's best to seek the advice of a functional medicine doctor to find out the root cause and help you heal. Because you know what? At any age, your skin can be healthy and glowing. Dr. Maida, thank you so much for being here with us. If you would like to learn more about this topic or Dr. Maida and her work, you can visit howtoliveyounger.com. And as always, to hear more from Dr. Maida, you can visit our website, cyacyl.com slash Lorraine. An upcoming hospital stay can cause a lot of fear and anxiety. Do you know the right questions to ask or plans to make to ensure you optimize your outcomes in the hospital? Did you know that preventable harm in hospital care is the third leading cause of death in the United States? 
Hi, I'm Lori Gardner, registered nurse, patient advocate, and board-certified health and wellness coach. I am the CEO and founder of HealthLink Advocates, a firm dedicated to assisting people navigate our very complex and confusing healthcare system. We also are dedicated to providing coaching to individuals that want to improve their health and overall well-being. Most hospitals, nurses, and doctors work hard to avoid harm. You can do your part, too. Most importantly, you should have a loved one that is empowered with knowledge to stay by your side during hospitalization. If you do not have a loved one or friend, I strongly suggest hiring a patient advocate to help. Your part in your care is making sure everyone washes their hands. This one action is the most important item in preventing infection. It is equally important to understand the medications and treatments prescribed. It is essential to have a care partner that will ask all the questions, take notes, and follow up on results of all the tests and procedures. I highly recommend going to the Campaign Zero website at campaignzero.org and download their free hospital checklist to use to help keep you safe and sound in the hospital. Being prepared will empower you with knowledge, give peace of mind, and optimize the outcome. So if you need a private patient advocate or health advisor, please connect with us at healthlinkadvocates.com. Hi, this is Joan Herman. Did you know that Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life publishes a free monthly digital magazine that can be read online or emailed to your inbox? Every month, nationally recognized leaders in their field provide information to educate, inspire, and motivate you. We believe in a holistic approach to life, incorporating mind, body, and spirit. Check out a copy of 24-7 magazine, visit CYACYL.com, and be sure to tell your friends. In a moment, cancer changed our lives forever. At this moment, St. Jude Children's Research Hospital is saving lives with pioneering research and care. And we'll never have to pay St. Jude for anything, ever. At this moment, she wants to be in her own bed. I want to be back at school with my friends. I want to be outside playing. Please take a moment and visit stjude.org today. This is WNYF, Hackensack, New Jersey, New York City. Welcome back to Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for staying with us. Anyone who has ever been part of the court process knows the financial, emotional, and psychological toll the experience can take. Joining us today to talk about how to navigate the court system is Kimberly Johnston, founder of Family Court GPS LLC, a company that specializes in legal coaching and court preparation. Welcome, Kimberly. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Joan. So, Kimberly, you specialize in helping people manage the family court system. What types of cases fall under family court? Well, family court cases include all cases pertaining to divorce, parenting issues such as parenting time, child support, education, custody and emancipation, property settlements and distribution. Also, cases that involve domestic violence, temporary or final restraining orders, or allegations of child abuse also fall under the jurisdiction of family court. These types of legal issues, I would assume they can be confusing and and even scary at times. So what are some of the biggest mistakes that people make when navigating the legal process? Well, there are many different types of mistakes made by people when it comes to court. Oftentimes, people assume if they simply ignore the papers or just not show up for the court date, Mm -hmm. the situation will just go away. 
Well, this, in fact, is completely untrue and oftentimes can complicate the situation. If someone does not respond to the paperwork or does not show up for a court appearance, the court will actually view that party to be combative, rebellious, or argumentative. Mm -hmm. Ignorance is not a form of defense. The court case will, in fact, continue without that party's representation of the case, which could include any evidence that party has to dispute the allegations which may be lodged against them. Also, the other party can find you in contempt of court, which means you're being disrespectful or disobedient towards the court and its requests. And that can be punishable with a warrant, Mm -hmm. with a fine, and in some cases, even jail time. The fact that whether you show or not, that court case can go on. That's something that a person needs to think about. Absolutely. Absolutely. And a lot of times you may not even find out that the court case continued or that the court date actually took place until there's some sort of warrant put out or there's some sort of decision made and you get the final judgment in the mail or served to you by other means. So it can be very daunting because it's very difficult to undo something like that. Kimberly, do your services take the place of legal representation? Absolutely not. Family Court GPS is not a law firm and we do not represent parties. We are the guide that is so desperately needed in the trek through the legal system. Our mission is to help clients strategically navigate the court system. We break down the process and help map out the mandatory components that are needed for individuals to get through the often confusing task of preparation and appearance. We help make sense of how the process works, why there are certain checks and balances in place, and what is expected of them along the way. To be an educated participant in the process is to be an effective participant for the best outcome to happen for your cause. Kimberly, we hear horror stories about the type of expenses people can rack up going through these types of court cases. Are there some ways that people can cut costs while maintaining proper representation? Absolutely. The one most important thing to remember that will help to cut costs is to keep your emotions out of the case, out of the paperwork, and out of the courtroom. There are two very important things I tell my clients right in the beginning. Get a therapist or a counselor because they may take your copay or be covered by your insurance. And they specialize in emotions. Your lawyer does not. Your attorney may be very nice. They may listen to your concerns and your complaints, but they are not there for that. That is not their area of expertise. And the next important thing to do is to journal through the process. I recommend that my clients have two different journals, one for the emotional battle, your hurts, your fears, your confusions that come about along the way. And the other journal is the logic journal. This one contains any legal research you may have done, evidence you have, and that evidence is devoid of hearsay or opinions about the other party, the other party's parenting styles, opinions about the other attorney, about the judge, and so on. These journals help make it clearer as to what belongs in the court process and what might belong in your therapy session. When we think of attorneys or we think of the legal process and going to court, the first word that comes to mind usually is that we have a fight on our hands, that we're going to be fighting. But is it possible for us to achieve a positive outcome without fighting? 
Absolutely. To achieve a most positive outcome without a fight is to first look at the process as a means to correct a disagreement. If we go into the process geared up for a fight, so to speak, then it becomes just that, a fight. It's very important at the onset of the process to be clear about what it is that you want to accomplish. What are your legitimate requests for the court? And what is better left for parent evaluations, for mediation, or again, for your therapist? Remember, always be courteous and professional. Respect the process for what it is. Do not blame and do not be disrespectful to those people serving papers to you or setting the court's calendar. These are important people and are simply doing their part in the process. They are not targeting you or out to get you. Another important thing to do while involved in court, whether represented by an attorney or if you are pro se, which means you represent yourself in the proceedings, is to be clear in your request. Make sure you are clear about what is being asked of you as well. It is important to consult with an attorney, if only to get clear on the things you don't understand. You can have a consultation with an attorney without retaining the firm for your case. During your consultation, make sure you cover what types of information is needed and what is the court asking of you. Kimberly, you've been doing this work for some time, and today you've been sharing some wonderful insight to help us navigate the system. If you could sum it up, what are some lessons that you've learned from the many years you've worked in this area? There are so many things I have learned in my years in the system. One real thing that occurs quite often is mudslinging. We all know what that means and have heard about it or seen it. Always remember and try very hard not to respond to this type of behavior by slinging back the same derogatory comments or different ones or anything like it. Even if you feel you have a right to it or you feel it's the truth, that does not belong anywhere in court proceedings. And quite honestly, it does not help your cause. It irritates the judge, it distracts from the case, and it can really make you look poorly in the eyes of the court. Another thing that is an important lesson learned at some point in all cases where children are involved is keep the children's best interest of utmost priority at all times. You are an adult. You must act like one. Be responsible, be honest, and be fair. This is what you're supposed to do as a parent at all times, even in a court dispute. Kimberly, what is a family law advocate? A family law advocate, by definition, is someone who has knowledge and experience working in family law and will help you understand your rights and your options. Usually, they work out of community agencies. My experience and that of my clients is that most community agencies have legal consultations available for about 30 minutes, and usually those are held by attorneys. And there, the attorney will either help with a broad explanation of your concerns, or most commonly, they recommend that you retain counsel. Where can our listeners go to get more information? For more information, you can visit our website, familycourtsgps.com. That's courts with an S. There you can learn a little bit more about what it is that we do, and you can actually contact us through the website. Or you can call our office direct at 201-316-2772. Kimberly, thank you so much for joining us today. What you've been describing, these are situations that may impact us at some time in our life. And 
like you said, ignoring the problem is not an option. So thank you for sharing ways that we can successfully navigate the system. Well, thank you so much for having me, and I hope that this is some help to all the listeners out there. I'm sure it will be. This is Conversations with Joan. Stay with us. We'll be right back. When it comes to your career, are you bored, unable to find the passion, motivation, and desire you once had to achieve the personal success you're looking for? Hi, I'm Amy Blumber, an executive and leadership coach, but many of my clients call me the dot connector. If you're what I call a builder, an ambitious visionary with strong leadership skills who has built a successful team and business but can't seem to connect the dots from boredom to motivation, here are three strategies for my comprehensive Building Dots program. One, start by asking yourself, when was the last time you felt energized and brought excitement, fun, and new challenges to your job and team? By introducing new challenges, people are likely to step up and and share new ideas. Two, explore how you can leverage you and your team's expertise and accomplishments with strategic and innovative thinking. By shifting your mindset and expanding your new thinking, it's amazing how quickly you can change the culture. What once seemed impossible is now the catalyst for change. Three, channel your ambitions into a plan of action by simplifying the process, establishing priorities, and setting achievable goals. No matter what stage you're at, having a definitive and deliberate plan will stimulate positive action. I can help connect the dots because I've been a builder too. With one-on-one thoughtful direction, I can help you make the right strategic decisions to vault you from where you are currently to unlimited possibilities. For more details and contact information, go to amyblumberg.coaching.com. At Amy Blumberg Coaching, I connect people and possibilities. You might ask, what do boundaries have to do with getting organized? I say everything. Hi, I'm Gail Gruenberg, CPOCD, Chief Executive Organizer of Let's Get Organized. As a professional organizing firm, we help clients organize their lives as well as their homes. We specialize in serving young families and clients who are chronically disorganized. Boundaries are rules. Both let us know what the parameters are for how to live. Without rules, life becomes chaotic. People don't always set strong boundaries for ourselves. So clutter builds up and we get stuck with other people's things, emotions, tasks, and debts. Setting boundaries requires mindfulness and making decisions. Sometimes it means saying one word, no. It's a complete sentence. It means stopping things at the door before they even enter the house and contribute to clutter. It means declining the invitation to take on yet another volunteer position. It means saying yes to the things that are most important to you and letting the rest go. If you're challenged by clutter and are ready to accept outside help, call me. I'm Gail Gruenberg, and I can help bridge the gap between wanting to get organized and actually doing it. Call me at 201-364-6833 or visit my website at lgorganized.com. How much hydration is necessary for us to be perfectly healthy? And how does being pregnant affect our intake? I'm Dr. Michael Magwood, chiropractor specializing in prenatal and pediatric chiropractic care. The question is, why is water so important during pregnancy? First, dehydration affects a mom's hormones, so we want water to help create balance. Second, circulation, which is improved by hydration, can support egg health. 
my first tip then is consume 16 ounces of water first thing in the morning. And secondly, realize the value of your hydration that you're getting from your foods. Specialty foods like chia and cacti produce something in our body called gel water, which can be transmitted through our connective tissue. My final suggestion is to drink alkalized water. Studies have shown that water consumed at a pH of 8.5 is the most alkalizing source of water for the body. For answers to more of your questions about water, hydration, and hydration during pregnancy, feel free to reach out to our offices in Clifton, New Jersey and in New York City at purebalancecenter.com. Do you know you should exercise but feel unmotivated to work out? Hypnosis can help improve your motivation to exercise. Hi, I'm Mary Battaglia, a certified clinical hypnosis practitioner at Metro Hypnosis Center in Oradell, New Jersey. Always choose an exercise that you enjoy so you will want to work out. Find an exercise buddy who will help you be accountable and make it a fun workout. Look online for exercise videos that are fun. Push the thought of I don't want to exercise from your mind and replace it with I want to be healthy, trim, and feel good so I exercise daily. Visualize yourself exercising regularly and see your body getting toned and trimmed the way you want it to be. In hypnosis, we also find the block of what stops you from exercising and release it. Keep saying the positive and seeing yourself do it and you will. I am Mary Battaglia, a certified clinical hypnosis practitioner, and you can find out more information at MetroHypnosisCenter.com. We all want to live a happy, productive life, but sometimes we just need a little help. Our Coach on Call experts provide strategies to help you live your best life now. Joining me today is Allison Carmen, a business consultant, life coach, and author of The Gift of Maybe, offering hope and possibility in uncertain times. Allison's podcast, 10 Minutes to Less Suffering, provides simple tools to reduce stress and worry. Allison is here today to discuss multitasking. Welcome, Allison. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. So, Allison, it's a new year, and that means that many people are making New Year's resolutions. And oftentimes, those resolutions include setting new goals or improving their relationships. What do you think is one of the biggest roadblocks for people to finding more success in the new year? Believe it or not, one of the main reasons people do not achieve many of their New Year's resolutions is because they're multitasking. I know a lot of people pride themselves on multitasking, but what many people don't realize is that when we are distracted and doing more than one thing at a time, we are often not giving the situation in front of us or the person in front of us our best effort, and we don't get the best result. The results of multitasking always reminds me of a time when I went to get my eyebrows waxed a few years ago. I remember when I walked into the room, the woman who was supposed to wax my eyebrows was on her cell phone. For one moment, she put the person on hold and asked me what I was looking to have done. I remember lying on the table and the more she spoke to her friend on her cell phone, the more she seemed like she was taking more and more of my eyebrows off. (laughs) She was obviously distracted because when I got up from the table and looked in the mirror, half my eyebrows were gone. I laugh at the incident now because I look so funny with half my eyebrows, but at the time I was really upset that she didn't give me the time in her presence. But that's what happens when we do two things at once. We are not totally 
fully present and we don't give our best selves to the moment we are in. What makes us think we could be so distracted and create our greatest project, close a huge deal, or attract our best client? We don't realize that as our energy is scattered, we are often not focused enough to really create what we want at work, what we want to accomplish at home, what we want to give the people we love. We think we're doing more when we're multitasking because we're doing so many things at one time. But the truth is, every part of our lives get less, and it becomes harder to achieve our goals. Allison, do you think that multitasking limits our experiences or, or even takes joy out of our lives? Yes, I think multitasking takes us out of the present. It creates this rushed mindset where we can miss life as it's happening right in front of us. In fact, many of us deliberately multitask to avoid silence or boredom or being uncomfortable. But what really happens is that we're limiting what is possible in our lives. Some of us listen to music when we walk or work out and totally miss being present with our surroundings. Some of us are always on the internet when we're eating lunch alone or waiting for someone to arrive and never interact with someone new. Some of us keep checking our phones when we're hanging out with friends and we miss quality time and intimacy. These might seem like little insignificant parts of our day, but there are gifts in every moment. And if we're not present to receive them, we will never fully experience the expansive nature of life. The more we allow ourselves to be present in our surroundings without distractions, the more we open ourselves up to new possibilities, opportunities, meet new people, or have new and wonderful experiences with the people we love. Okay, so Allison, we understand why this is important. So can you give us a few tips on how we can be less distracted and achieve more goals in the new year? Here's an exercise your listeners can do to gain more focus and achieve more goals in the year to come. First, ask yourself, how often do I multitask? How many things do I try to accomplish at one time? What things distract me most throughout the day? Where is my attention at work? Where is my attention at home? And now look at your life. Are you satisfied with what you have accomplished? Do you find your relationships are meaningful? Have you ever spoken to someone you don't know in an elevator or in a cafe? Ask yourself these types of questions to create awareness of how much you're multitasking and how distracted you are. Now try to make a commitment to focus on the moment that you're in. Try to focus on one thing at a time. If you're at work, focus on the most important project you're working on. If you need to take care of something else, take a pause. Take care of it and then refocus back on your project. If you need to, make a schedule to take care of each thing on your list. Even if you get distracted, you can maintain this awareness and bring your mind back to the present and refocus. When you speak to someone, try to focus only on that person you're talking to, even if you just have five minutes. Try to give each moment all of your attention. Give it all your energy, and I guarantee your life will start to blossom because all of you will be present. All of your energy can go to creating a new project at work, creating a new dream, a new business, a new relationship. Part of the reason we get so distracted is that we believe there's not enough time. This moment's not enough, and something in the future or another experience will make us happier. We believe that there's something that hasn't happened yet that will truly satisfy us. What we don't realize is that the present is here for us to find that satisfaction, that the present is here for us to achieve our goals, to make our relationships fulfilling and meaningful, and it's only our distractions that prevents us from moving forward. When we're able to give up multitasking and our distractions, we often find that we have the focus to achieve many of our goals one at a time in the most important moment of them all right now. Allison, thank you so much for joining us. If you would like to learn more about this topic, if you would like to learn about Allison and her work, or if you would like to listen to her podcast, 10 Minutes to Less Suffering, you can visit her website, allisoncarmen.com. And as always, to hear more from Allison, you can visit our website, 
cyacyl.com slash Allison. That's it for today's show. Thank you for joining us. I hope you found the show informative. At Conversations with Joan, we believe that knowledge is power. Take what you've learned, apply it, and live your best life now. Remember that the information provided are the opinions of our guests and should never replace the advice of a professional who knows your personal situation. If you'd like more information, visit our website, cyacyl.com. That stands for Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. While on the site, listen to past shows on demand, read our digital magazine, take part in the book club, check out our team, and be sure to follow the show on social media. Until next time, this is Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. The preceding pre-recorded program sponsored by Maximilian Communications.